BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sarah Merrill, the personality behind Big Kid Problems. I'm so excited to have you because I feel I am in the throes of Big Kid Problems right now. And I so badly just want to be a child again. <laughs> and so I need you to talk me through this. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I can help, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well, you can provide, as I said before this, like I just need some comedic relief and like, you know, misery loves company. I just need someone to 
feel the same way as I do on these topics of just like, how the fuck am I supposed to be an adult? Girl, I've been trying to figure that out for <laughs> 10 years and I, I haven't come up with an answer yet, but I can definitely commiserate with you. That's my, okay, that's my jam. Amazing. And how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious for audience relevance wise. Yeah, I am 32 going okay, on, so going on 25. <laughs> I mean, I say I'm 29, but I literally feel like a 13 year old boy. Yeah. It goes like, either way. I either feel like I'm in my 20, like early twenties or 87. And there's like, no, there's no in between. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I feel true child. I rarely feel like my early twenties because my early twenties just feel so far away. Like I don't even know what it would feel like to go clubbing at 11 until like the middle of the night. But it just, that feels so far away from me, but being a small child for some reason feels relevant in my world. <laughs> I've, re- I've reverted back to my early twenties though, just because like I forgot, like I forgot how to drink properly. Like I, through quarantine, I feel like the the last couple of times I've had like a sip of alcohol, I've just like turned it up to the extreme. Um, My fiance who I've been with for like eight years, he's like, whoa, you are like, (laughs) you are back to your early 20s self, just like wilding out over like a glass of Chardonnay. It's sad, it's sad, but that's where I'm at right now. I'm so sober because I'm pregnant that I do miss those types of times. And I actually last night as we're recording this, I shared about it this morning, but last night I had this dream that I was back like kind of in college, but it was with high school people. You know how dreams like always like merge everything together. Yeah. And we, it was also COVID stress related dream. So I said I would go to an outdoor pregame with like five girls, but I didn't feel comfortable doing anything else because I was still going to see my parents. And then I guess I blacked out at the pregame. So I woke up the next morning in my dream and woke up and my friends were like, you were so funny last night at the party. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they were showing me all these photos of me like in a mosh pit (laughs) on people's shoulders, like total blackout. And I was like, no, this is not COVID safe. I can't be doing this. Like, how am I going to see my parents? Which is just so absurd that COVID has now entered my dreams, although I'm not surprised. But I'm living in like my early 20s, I guess in my dreams. So I'm getting like a small fix of the like (laughs) memories of blackouts. (laughs) That is so funny. I bet like COVID 2020 dreams plus pregnancy dreams have got to be wild. Oh my God. So I'm already a very vivid dreamer and I used to dream journal so that I've trained myself to remember them. So I I like remember every dream every single morning. That's so funny. I never remember mine. I'm jealous. I never used to, but I remember like I would get bursts of them and my dad um, used to, he is a he had received his doctorate in psychology. Now he doesn't do anything in psychology, but he used to. And so he told me that he used to dream journal. And so I started doing it for a bit. Honestly, you just wake up in the morning and you just brain dump and like it starts to come back to you. And so now I remember them so well and they are so creepily vivid vivid (laughs) when I'm pregnant. Like I swear to God, I live another life during the nighttime. That's amazing. I need to try this dream journal. I used to, like I used to, I remember like when I worked in an office and I would always find ways to procrastinate from doing work. Um, I used to like Google uh, dreamdictionary.com and like I would remember like one thing from my dream. Like there was a, there was a eagle or something and you know, I would like look it up and see what the symbolism was. So maybe I need to get back in the dream journal game. Honestly, 
find it so interesting. And I never really look into like what it means. I'm sure like there are deep rooted meanings in a lot of them. Some of them are just so obvious of what it means. But I just love like telling the stories every morning. I'm like, Joe, you have to listen to what happened to me last night. (laughs) I feel like you leave the house and go live a whole other life and then come back and tell me about it. I'm like, yeah, I do. And like, oh my God, they're so freaking weird. Anyway, I'm so excited to have you on. And I know we kind of dove in a little bit already just about dreams and how I (laughs) am a small child in a not even adult body. But how would you define success? Oh man. Okay. So I, I feel like I, yeah, I used to, this is the only serious question we'll have. Okay. Um, I used to define, I was thinking about this because I used to define success in such a different way than I do now. Like in my, in my twenties, like success to me was just making money. Like I thought like if you hit a certain dollar amount, like that is successful. Like I was always like, if I hit six figures, like I'm going to, I'm successful period. Right. Um, and now I, I feel so differently about that. Um, Now my definition of success is like being able to like survive, like doing what you love. Like I love, I'm very passionate about big kid problems and I love that like, Mm -hmm. this is my job. It's, it's like a dream. Actually, it's not a dream. Sometimes it's a nightmare, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I love being able to, I think the definition of success is like being able to do something you really, really love and like actually be able to survive doing it and and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, that's my yeah. I totally agree. And I think that there's this whole narrative of like if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like that is such fucking bullshit. <laughs> and I love there's this new TikTok sound that I heard going around where it's like this girl who who I guess is an entrepreneur. I don't know who started it, but it's basically saying like they say, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. But in reality, you work every day of your life and you work harder than you could ever imagine. And you work all hours, but you don't hate it. So it's it just feels better, like that kind of sense, which is so true because I know you used to work in the corporate industry. I did as well. And I had a, like, you know, I don't know what your hours were, but I had pretty demanding hours. I never would have thought that I'd be working more as like a content creator than I would in sales and trading, but it's not even comparable. And while I love what I'm doing so much more, there are obviously days, and today is a bit one of them, where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, how is this going to be my life? Especially with the whole pregnancy thing, there's a lot of, I need to make more money. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to, all of a sudden, there's going to be a child that has to be taken care of. And I start hearing the price tags of things in New York City (sighs) for children, and I just want to throw up. Um And, you know, that's all to say everything will be fine. I live, you know, I'm okay. I don't need to mean to complain about finances. But still, that's like one of the big kid problems that just stresses me the hell out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have that same like, what the fuck am I doing combo with myself at least three times a day. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like people think that these content creators who have a large following or like look put together are just so set in what they're doing and confident about it all. And I think on the inside, so many of us are just thinking like, what, what does tomorrow bring? What does next month bring? Like, God forbid, what does next year look like? 
Oh, yeah. It is so funny because I think there is such a perception about content creators. And I feel like people look at your numbers and they're they're like, oh, if your numbers are high enough, like you're definitely crushing it. And I actually don't think numbers have anything to do with it. I've met I've met people in this industry who have like a fraction of my following and make like three times more than I do and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's, it, it's crazy. Um, it's a hustle. <laughs> if I've ever, if I, a hustle. it is a total, total hustle and yeah, it's like not a guaranteed thing. So it definitely is just, you know, a constant grind. I don't know if I was prepared for that when I when I left my job. I was like, I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna hit 500,000 followers, and then I'm just gonna be raking it in. And it just, it's never right. been, it's never been like easy. No, and I don't think it ever is easy. Which, like, I guess is just life. I don't know if any job is actually ever quote unquote easy. But I think the thing that frustrates me the most is that I think from an outside outside of perspective, it looks easy. And maybe that's just my ego that's getting in the way because who the hell cares what whether it is or is not what other people think. But I almost feel like there is this, and maybe this is kind of what I was saying to my sister last night. Like she FaceTimed me and I answered from my computer and it was eight o'clock at night. She's like, are you always on your computer? And I said, yeah. She said, do you ever stop working? I'm like, no. And I think that's when it hit me because I just done month-end finances and said to my husband, I do not make enough money for us to have a child right now. And in that moment, I think the biggest frustration was the work, like it's it's not always correlated of the grind and the dollar, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I, I wish it was. That's the most frustrating. That's the, that is definitely the most frustrating thing. Like I remember like working hard at a job. I mean, you know, you're putting in hours, but you're getting paid for those hours. Like I, right. even when I, and I, I don't know if you felt this way, even just like building your podcast, like, but like the podcast for me is a new addition to my platform platform. And I've been spending like probably like 30 to 50 hours a week on this thing. And it's been like months and months and months. And I haven't gotten paid on like a dollar, you know, a a dollar for an hour. You know what I mean? Like it's no, I mean, and and that's the thing where it's like, yo, you never work a day in your life if you love your job. Like you're working harder than you've ever worked. However, when you're working for the most part, and the podcast is the same for me, it's definitely not like, I, you know, I have sponsorships now, but I didn't for a long time. And still the sponsorships aren't like raking in money like, you know, a Dak Shepard is, <sighs> obviously. But there's so much time that goes into it. And I think it's a lot of like, long game when it comes to things like podcasts, especially, and it's content that you kind of own versus Instagram. And, you know, I do think that's important, but at the same time, those hours that I'm spending doing it, I'm at least enjoying what I'm doing Mm -hmm. versus when I was in the corporate world and I was like trading muni bonds and I was looking into deals and stuff being like, I don't care about this (laughs) whatsoever. Totally. I feel and I think that's way. the biggest difference. So we've kind of talked about Big Kid Problems. Can you walk us through what Big Kid Problems is as a platform and how it came about? Yeah. So I actually, I started it, this is crazy, but back in college um, when I was wow. a senior in college. So let me take you back uh, about 10 <laughs> years ago, which is crazy. Um or actually not even 10 years ago. I guess I graduated in 2011. Um, but I was just, you know, getting ready to graduate in my sorority house and was like making jokes about like 
not going into the adult world, like not wanting to go into the adult world basically and not knowing how it works. Mm -hmm. So I would like tweet out things like what's a 401k and like just like silly little like jokes about the real world. And it just started to kind of like pick up uh, popularity around my camp, my campus. Uh, Cause I think like word on the street was like, there was, you know, an FSU girl that was behind this account. So people just kind of started following it. And I was like, Oh, this is the best. Like it, I was so addicted to it. Immediately. <laughs> I made it. Yeah. And it was such a secret and I, you know, whatever. And it actually was, I kept it anonymous. I was anonymously behind this account for like five years before. Holy I, shit. Yeah. I before I, po- I popped my head out. I was so scared about getting in trouble because the shit I was saying was like very un- inappropriate. <laughs> and especially at the time, I mean, I was applying for jobs. Um, I was low man on the totem pole, at my corporate job for a long time. So I right. did not want to stir the pot, get in trouble for anything I was saying. And a lot of my content came from like me making fun of my bosses. So right. It's like the Goldman Sachs elevator Twitter. Like overheard in the Goldman. I forget uh, what it's called. I loved that Twitter account. Yes. Uh, when I worked at JP, that was it because it was so real. Like those were all things that you actually heard in an elevator. But I feel like it's very similar where if that person ever was found out who it was, Goldman would have fired them in 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great that was such a great account. I know. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I just started doing, it was completely for fun and kept it going when I moved to New York and I was like really going through big kid problems. Like I had no money. Um, my love life was a joke. Uh, you know, was bad at my job, always getting in trouble. Um, you know, things like that. So I was, I was kind of a hot mess and I just kept, I kept up doing like writing little jokes, writing content on Twitter, eventually moved it over to Instagram. Instagram kind of really took off, especially with the wake of memes. Um, because I started yes. taking my tweets and just adding a picture underneath them. And, and this was like when memes just started. So yeah, I mean, I've just been creating content for, I know this is it for almost 10 years now. Um, and that's it's what I always wild. think is so funny too. When people will talk about content creators and like, you know, it seems like easy to build a following, but I've been at this for literally almost a decade, which is, it is so hard to build a following. Like I think back to when I started and being like, oh yeah, I'll be able to get X amount of followers in no time. Like, of course. I don't know what world I fucking lived in. I do think there was a period and obviously so much depends on when you entered the space. Like there are a few food bloggers that entered, you know, I can think of one specifically that entered maybe like five-ish years ago and one company like reposted her post a few times and she got like 70,000 followers or something in a few weeks. Like that just wouldn't happen. It's almost equivalent to how I think TikTok is. Like TikTok, you can blow up way faster. And I don't think a TikTok follower is equivalent to an Instagram follower, but that's what I almost feel like Instagram was a long time ago. And when I entered, I felt like it was still going to be that time and pace and it is not. And that's another thing that I'm sure you feel as well, the frustration over growth where it's like, oh my God, how can I be still in this like 10,000 or whatever it is, period, window where not that, as you said, followers don't equal success and it's definitely not correlated, but obviously it does help when you're like talking with brands and obviously you're reaching more people if you're selling a product. Like there is a correlation. It's just not exact. Right. And I think exactly. People, and people often are like, oh my gosh, this account just blew up overnight. I'm like, that doesn't happen anymore, especially on Instagram. And the fact that you've been doing it for 10 years is just wild and shows how much work this type of stuff takes. Yeah. Well, it's always when someone's like getting into the game and they ask me like, what's the secret? I'm like, 
you just have to be consistent. Like consistency is, is key. You know, it's just, it keeps Mm -hmm. like, you have to keep doing it. And so you have to like what you're posting. You have to like what you're doing to be consistent for as long as it takes, because exactly like you said, it's not an overnight thing. There are some of those overnight cases. Like I remember like yodeling kid, like came onto the scene and just like posted a photo, a a video of him yodeling in a Walmart and blew up. And I've been like, my grinding at this for 10 years concert of his. <laughs> like damn it yodeling kid but so those those situations do happen but that's not like that's like the the exception not the rule right that's like you know who else i'm just there was like that cranberry juice situation oh yeah like yeah like those types of things but that's like that's not a business model it's just like oh you got this <laughs> random video went viral I totally agree. I also have so much respect for meme creators because I just don't have that creativity in my brain. I think I'm way funnier than I am. No one I know that's close to me would describe me as funny. However, my sister's boyfriend said the other night, he was like, Cammy is so like just on surface level, like you feel like she's put together and she like, you know, appears well and she's like very normal. And then she just comes out with these zingers where it's like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, I have a very dirty sense of humor. Every 10 sentences out of my mouth is that's what she said. And like those types of lines can stick thanks to Michael Scott in the office, but I can't create something like a meme that just doesn't, I I physically cannot think that way, if that makes sense. (laughs) You probably could if you tried. You probably could. I mean, it is, it's like a language. Like, it's, it's so funny. Like, I don't know why, but I just like, I think in terms of memes. Like, it is weird. Like, I can't do anything else. Like, I basically, like, don't have any other marketable skills, but I can meme like a fucking champ. It's incredible. It's an incredible talent. I say that. I think my husband is the funniest person I know in such a very odd way, but he is so good with GIFs or is it GIF or GIF? I don't even know. I say GIF. There's like no, there's no standard. Tomato, tomato. You know, when you're texting and you can like throw in a GIF, he pulls like the best ones out of that app on your phone and like just hits zinger and I think like he has a true talent because I don't know what he's even searching but somehow they always are like on point for the exact moment of that conversation and it just gets the whole crowd riled up so like there is a sense of comedy where I feel like you you do think almost a certain way and yours is meme focused but like your brain just works a specific way and you did the best thing of running with it yeah it is it is funny because like especially in comedy um I feel like there's so many different types of comedy that people are good at like some people are great at written form comedy or like writing Mm -hmm. skits or improv is like a completely different skill set right or you know there's people who do stand-up comedy I am like I admire so so much so much because you're writing it and you're performing it which is crazy like I I actually tried my hand at stand-up for a while when I was in New York was it um, I actually, I actually had a lot of fun with it. It was really fun, but um, I was like, I just knew where my skills are. Like, I think in these types of things, you have to be like honest where you are. And I'm like, I'm so much better at the writing side than I am at the performing mm. side. And that's the other thing too with stand up comedy is like you have to basically perform the same joke over and over again. Like, you have a set, you perfect your set, right. and you're saying the same things. And I'm like, I don't like that part of comedy. Like, I like literally making a th- like a two second joke and then moving on to the next two second joke and never mm-hmm. revisiting it. So everybody has their own strengths. Um, 
And it is funny to kind of like you find like which one you're really, really good at and and, uh, stick to it. Totally. I mean, I think that goes across all business models, like, you know, figuring out what works for you and what engages an audience and what resonates the most. And for me specifically, like I started Freckled Foodie when I was still at JP and similar to you, not that it was like totally anonymous, but I really wanted to keep church and state separate. I didn't want work knowing, like I had told them that I had this account, but it's not like I told them to follow me. And I definitely didn't tell any of my clients Hmm. and my face wasn't on the platform. It was just food. Like I never talked to the camera. You would have no idea it was me. And it was only food focused and recipes and stuff like that. And as I left and I've grown the account and it's kind of gone into all these different modalities, it's so much more focused on lifestyle, I guess. I hate saying that, but like basically me, it's an extended session with my therapist is what I refer to my stories as. (laughs) And it's so interesting because that to me was something I never thought I'd do, but my content of lifestyle stuff versus food resonates so much better with my community, engages the community more. I enjoy it 20 times more than sitting down and writing a recipe. And for me, it makes me feel more successful because I feel like I'm actually impacting people more than here's a recipe, you know, go make it, if that makes sense. And it's been interesting for me to kind of follow that because for so long I pushed against it like oh I should do two photos of food and then I can incorporate photos of me and now I feel like food's like never even on my platform (laughs) that's so funny I'm like the opposite which is which is hilarious because I I've tried to like incorporate myself more and more into my account and every time I do it I feel so uncomfortable I'm like oh yeah oh like I don't know I don't know what it is weird at first it, uh, it so does. Weird. It does. And so what I what I feel most natural at is like memes. <laughs> and I have but to again, do the opposite. I have to be like, okay, Sarah, like <laughs> you post like four memes, you have to like post something personal. So like there's like an actual like people can connect person. to the person behind the account. Yeah. But um, I do think that's the hardest part of like meme type or those types of accounts because people want to always know the person behind who they're following, like even if it's a meme account or a food account or whatever, but it's really hard to get the audience to adapt to that different type of content, if that makes sense, when they're used to one specific thing. Oh, you could always memes that incorporate photos of you. Yeah. It, it is funny whenever I do post like a photo of me or I try to like put myself into the content, like people don't love it. Like I'm telling you, I get like a fraction of the likes or comments that I do on one of those posts than compared to the memes. Cause they do. I mean, they're coming to my page for comedy. Um, but I have tried to evolve my page a little bit more, not to just not just be comedy, but to also Mm -hmm. like be a little bit more, um, sharing like wisdom and stuff around, around getting older and growing up because what's been funny with my account is since I've been doing this for so long, like I can always go back to old content. Like I can go back to, you know, posts I put up when I was 23, 24, 27. And I can read the tweets or the the jokes that I was writing then. And I'm like, oh my God, I remember exactly how I felt in that moment. And now as like, as a 32 year old, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could have told 24 year old Sarah this, you know, I wish I could have, I wish I could have given her this piece of advice. So that's kind of how my, my platform has evolved a little bit and to not just be the jokes, but like, I also want to like share a little bit of wisdom, a little big kid knowledge, if you will. Totally. Absolutely. And I also think, I mean, my 
personal growth is like a huge part of my story and just like involvement in so many aspects of my life. Like I was a pretty raging bitch for most of my life and I would like to think I'm not anymore. Um, But that's something that I'm very open about because honestly, I say to Joe all the time, one of my biggest fears is like someone comes out of the woodworks and is like, oh my God, do you guys think Freckled Foodie is some nice person? Like she did this to me. I know her from this. And I think my way of getting ahead of that first is just being open about the fact that I have that past. But secondly, I also think that there's so much in personal growth and what you've learned and sharing that because I wish I could shake my like 21 to 25 year old self and be like, girlfriend, (laughs) this shit does not matter. And I, even when I look back on content, I haven't been doing it for as long as you have, but I feel the same way. I'm like, Oh my God, I cared so much about that. What was I thinking? Right. It is so funny to look back. I love that you had a raging bitch phase. I'd love to hear how you got out of that because I'm actually currently in my raging bitch phase. I was thinking about this so, the other day. I'm, I'm in a bit of a, I'm in a bit of a phase right now. I think it depends on who you ask if I've actually evolved out of it. If you ask my mom <laughs> on certain days, she would say I definitely haven't. And honestly, that's why I struggle. My family's very close and I love them to death, but we, we don't know what the word boundaries mean. And you know, well, more my mom does not understand boundaries. And so, you know, we've been working on trying to set them. And we've been, I lived with my parents for the first 70 days of quarantine because we were going to Florida for a family vacation. And then COVID really happened. And we were like, well, guess we're staying here with them. And I was like my 16 year old psycho self. Mm. And I hated it because I felt like I had evolved so much and there was so much mental back and forth for me because I'm like, this isn't who I am. Yet I'd turn around and snap and curse at my mom. And I'm like, I guess it is who I am. So evolvement wise, I mean, it's still in me. Don't get me wrong, but it definitely comes out way less. And I think a ton of it had to do with also my job. Like I just felt like I was always in... I don't know. I still talk about this all the time with my therapist because I feel like I almost had like a past life, but I was a very competitive, aggressive, intense person for a majority of my life. And also just, I speak what's on my mind and I cannot lie or be fake. And I think it's one of my best qualities, but it also gets me in a shitload of trouble. And I can't bite my tongue. Like I, I cannot sit there and watch something. And if I have an opinion, not say it. And it just got me in a lot of trouble in, you know, middle school, high school and college because I had strong opinions. I spoke them. And in my opinion, I still believe this, but I really stressed it when I was younger. Like, I think it's more mean to try like to be fake and nice to someone's face and then say something shitty behind their back instead of just like if you don't like the person, I don't know, you can say hi, but I don't have to have like fake conversations with everyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I respect that. I like I think that that's probably a healthier way to go through life is like experiencing an emotion and just like throwing it back out. Cause I'm actually I'm like the opposite. I'm like I will just internalize something. So like people will say something like that rub me the wrong way or something and I just internalize it. And like we we call it my fiance calls it my emotional box. He's like, You just yeah. cram <laughs> shit in your box and put the lid on. And after a year like 2020, I'm telling you, like that box is ready the lid to come explode. Off. Yes. I mean, I could use some form of emotional box to put things away. Like I think I'm almost too, like I'm just too responsive. And I, honestly, yes, I, I still agree with the mentality of, 
you know, speaking your mind versus being fake to someone. However, I think I took it to a very severe degree when I was younger, if that makes sense. Like I could have just toned it down a bit, but I do think a lot of it was misunderstood, whatever. And I think the involvement comes from honestly in a weird way, like part of this platform has helped so much because I talk through so much. I'm a big proponent of therapy. I see my therapist every week. She's my best friend. (laughs) And also just the industry I was in cultivated that intense, like go, go, go money. Like time is money. Don't waste my time. I am in more important than I am mentality. I bet working in finance will do that to you. Oh my God. I mean, you live with blinders on like the rest of the world is, it's almost like my dad and I quit the same time and he took a year off. He has been in finance basically his entire working career other than like his first two years. And he took a year off around the exact same time that I left. And I remember having lunch with him and we were both just like so chill. We weren't in a rush. It was so calm. Meanwhile, we used to meet for lunch because we worked four blocks away in Midtown and it would be 10 minutes in the door to dishes, scream about how long the line was and sprint out and go eat at our own desk. (laughs) And this lunch, I said to him, I'm like, isn't it just wild? Don't you feel like it's almost as if you've been looking through a magnifying glass and it's finally been removed and you see aspects of the world that you just didn't know existed. Like, I didn't know that people didn't wake up feeling like they were going to be on the verge of a panic attack and rushing to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. Like, I didn't know that people walked on the West Side Highway at 7 a.m. and enjoyed a leisure 8 a.m. run or coffee date before work. Like, it was just so, I lived in this world of New York and that was all I saw and I couldn't believe anything else existed. Yeah. I, it's I, so weird. It is so weird. It is so funny too. Um, I mean, now like that you're working in a, you work for yourself and um, there is such a world out there of like the, the, um, the work for the like non-traditional workforce world is yes. like its own beast. Like I go to the dog park at like 2 p.m., you know, on like a Tuesday and it's packed. And I'm like, what do you guys do? You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. how is this a thing? Uh, but there is such like a, a larger world out there. Like you're you're right. Especially in New York. When I used to take like a random weekday off and I'd go to like a 10 a.m. Barry's class and it was fully booked. I'm like, who are all of these people? And now I guess I'm one of those people. And what I still will say that similar to what you just said about the dog park. And I'll, I'll say it to my husband. I'm like, I just don't understand. This restaurant was fully packed for lunch. Who, like, what is everyone doing? He's like, you're there. Like, you have a job. <laughs> you were sitting at the same restaurant. We live in New York City city. Like people have all sorts of different jobs. So it is interesting, but I'm curious regarding bid kit problems, what you feel like right now, I guess, or in this moment, like what are some of your big kid problems that you just don't want to fucking deal with? Oh my God. Where do we begin? The list is endless. <laughs> oh my God. The list is is actually endless. I mean, I am, I don't know about you, but I am like getting so burnt out on this year. I'm like, I just, yeah, I can't, like I, I live so far away from my family and I'm like, I just want to go home and see my parents. Like I want to like be able to go see a girlfriend or go out to lunch and like do all of these things. And it's just so like, we're in such like a crazy world right now where we can't do any of these things. Mm-hmm. 
any of these like normal things. It's just, it's starting to wear on me for sure. Um, so there's that I'd say like life stage wise, cause there's always like different big kid problems that happen in different totally. stages of life and your life. Um, right now my big thing is I've been trying to get married for the last year. I was going to ask when you said fiance, I was like, oh shit, are you a COVID bride? I am a total COVID bride. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, We were supposed to get married this summer in in July and it is so wild. I mean, we're, we're older, you know, like I think like a lot of people get married in their like 20, late twenties, but like we're in our thirties. My fiance is 38. So all of our friends are a little bit older too. And the difference, the it's such like a crazy difference that a year makes at this age. Like yes, just pushing so big. My, yeah. I just pushed my wedding a year right now. Seven of my eight bridesmaids are pregnant. <laughs> like <laughs> I had to move my bachelorette too. Like nobody can go to the bachelorette anymore. Like everybody's due like right around my wedding. Like half of them can't come anymore. Um, yeah. And it's just so, it's like so frustrating. Cause like, this is a time in life too, where I had planned, you know, we were going to get married this summer and like start, we were going to start trying to have kids like now ish, like towards the right. end of the year. And it's like, Oh, you just, I'm just sitting, I'm just basically sitting around and waiting for the rest of my life to begin. Um, it, I is, can't even fathom. It's so frustrating. It nope. is, it's crazy. Like the planning aspect, especially for me as a planner. I mean, 2020 has in a weird way helped me because I've given up this belief that I can plan everything. And that's what I used to do when I was anxious. I would plan. Like if if I was anxious, I would all of a sudden pull out my iCal and start booking things and scheduling things. Like it just gave me a sense of control. And this year has forced me to realize that that control does not exist. And so I haven't planned anything. And it's honestly been a growing experience for me. <laughs> but I think if I was in the year that when we were planning a wedding and like everything was so, well, you don't know if it's going to happen and then you have to move. Like that would kill me. And I have so, so much respect for people going through this and handling it because I, I don't think I would handle it well. And I know I wouldn't actually. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I am not handling it well. (laughs) It is such a challenge and the logistics are a nightmare. And exactly like you said, like you want you have to plan things because like these types of events like take right. a lot of planning and vendor contracts and like the things we booked in the beginning we ended up pushing this year and like nothing is still nothing is set in stone like we're probably going to mm-hmm. have to end up planning everything like 2 months like 2 months before it all happens right. because, because we just won't that, know that's how i feel when it comes to having this baby and covid because it's like I get all worked up about these things I need and our apartment and all this stuff. And I'm like, but what is the world going to look like? Like, you know, my mom is talking about the idea of a baby shower. I'm like, I'm not having a baby shower if COVID still exists. There's just so much unknown. And when you're in a very big growth phase of your life and something's about to happen, it's really hard to not be able to control and plan in the ways that we are so normally wired to do because this is truly, I mean, I hate the word unprecedented because but like March through May, it was all we fucking heard, but it's so true that this is so unprecedented in so many ways. And for those people who are, you know, even like college kids, just how greatly it's impacting people's ability to plan oh, yeah. has been 
so interesting to watch unfold. I feel bad for literally everyone. Like everyone. I'm sure all of your audience too. Like we're all in this like this stage of life where there are so many, there's so many important things going on, you know, like, you know, people are getting engaged, getting married, having their first kid. And even like you mentioned, like college kids, kids who are graduating like high school. And I I feel like all of these moments, like these really precious moments are like being robbed by, from us. Mm -hmm. And it makes me so, it's so sad. Like it really is heartbreaking. And, and I'm interested to see how like things turn around at the end of this year. Like when things finally get back to normal, like, I hope everybody can just freaking let it let it out. <laughs> I agree. And my husband and I used to say we are like in the best group of people for our age for COVID to happen because we had gotten married. Mm-hmm. We don't have kids that are in school and all of a sudden we're trying to work from home and manage them. You know, we're only responsible for ourselves. And obviously it sucks that we don't get to see our friends and do our normal lives. But in the grand scheme of things, we were like, you know what? We probably have it the best. And then I got pregnant and I'm like, I'm okay being pregnant during this. But when, when this baby comes into the world, like I want people to be able to hold him. I want to see my friend, you know, that's where I'm going to be like, no, this is fucking bullshit. I'm over this. Yeah. Oh, I do think it's a good time though. We, we've been joking about this too. I'm like, what a time to be childless, honestly. Um, what a time. But, what a time. What a time. But I do think it is, I think you're kind of lucky. Like I, I think anybody who is pregnant right now, I think this is a great time to be pregnant because you don't have any FOMO, you know, like you have to be sober this whole nine months you're not missing anything and then like if you have to stay home with your your baby like everybody's going to be staying home so like you get to have all of this um dedicated time you know to your little nest at home and not feel any FOMO and not be missing anything I totally agree when it comes to the pregnancy aspect, especially the fact that I felt like shit. I wouldn't have been able to live my life in the sense of like a normal New York City life that I'm used to where I'm seeing people. It just wouldn't have happened. And I'm very grateful for that. And I struggle big time with FOMO. So it's honestly been amazing for me (laughs) in that sense. However, and I totally agree. I think having, you know, I'm kind of in this boat where I'm like, I want COVID to be over. But at the same time, I hope Joe still gets to work from home through the summer so that we can have, I'm due at the end of May, so that we could ideally have the summer with him working from home. And, you know, he gets that time and more than his like two week paternal leave and can help us and be with the child in me. But I think the hardest thing for me is just envisioning a place or a time where, God forbid, the baby comes and people can't comfortably meet him or hold him. I think that, I don't know why. I'm a very physical touch person. (laughs) Like I have a really hard time not hugging people. I'm like the person that will leave a group dinner and I'll hug every single person at the dinner. My friends are always (laughs) like, this is so weird that you do this. But I just, I love physical touch in that way. And I I don't know, that's the one thing that I just can't grasp. And I'm so fearful over. Yeah. that We'll see. I mean, when are you due? End of May. So like, I really am crossing my fingers that, you know, we're going to have this vaccine and it'll be okay. But again, we all went into this thing thinking it was going to be two weeks. Like my family jokes, like, you know, what, what was the wildest thing you thought going into COVID? I was at a bachelorette party, March 6th in Miami clubbing, like having no fears in the world, came back to New York and then went to my parents' house on March 13th and packed a bag for a week and was like, you know what, if we have to stay for the two week quarantine, I'm going to be okay. I can live in these sweatpants. And then I was there for 70 days. Like there was just such a miss. 
misconception of what reality was going to be. Oh, a hundred percent. My bachelorette was actually like the week, like two weeks after it closed. Like we closed on what, like March 15th weekend. Yeah. Everything closed down. And my bachelorette was like the 26th or something like that. And Um, so I remember like the world, literally the world was getting shut down and I was like still on my group text with everyone. I'm like, okay guys, like we'll see what happens in two weeks. Like no one canceled their flights yet. (laughs) Right. I think we're going to be okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. Like, well, we were supposed to go to Brazil that March 15th weekend. And my family was like, it's going to be okay. We're going to go. We had a family wedding and a vacation. And I, we had like a family conference call the Wednesday before. And I was like, we're not going. We will be stuck in Brazil. We are not getting on that plane. And that's when we called it off and went to Florida. And thank God, because when when it hit Brazil, like there was just crazy shit happening over there and we would not have gone home. But it, it was just, it's so wild now to reflect when, you know, who knows, we're going to hit a year mark and be like, what the hell, what was that past 365 years? <laughs> it's just going to, it isn't, I can't wait to see how we all look back on this. Like, I feel like it's, we're all going to have PTSD. We're all going to have like yes. full blown post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and I, I, I don't even know how we explain this to future generations. Like hopefully like p- people are going to be like grandmas telling stories of 2020 <laughs> again. Like, so. I know 2021 or 2022 is going to be like 10,000 weddings and bachelorette parties like galore. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. I know. Fingers crossed. I know. Fingers crossed. I'm a, I'm supposed to be a June. I'm supposed to be a June wedding. So I'm right after you give birth. So let's hope that okay, time so frame, May, same- June, is clear. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same wavelength for our expectations and our hopes. Yes. So we will check back in at that time. You'll come back on the show and we'll check in. Okay, like, perfect. So what actually happened? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun to connect and chat with you. I always, you know, I said this before, like, I just, I need a good laugh every once in a while. And this show sometimes can be comical, but a lot of times it can be more serious. And my mom's like, you need to laugh more. I feel like your your show could be so intense. I'm like, okay, I will bring on some comedic relief for you, mom. So thank you for joining us. Yes. And thanks. I have to ask. Of course, we haven't even talked about food at all, but what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Three ways to my heart. One is cheese, of course, like a moth yes. stick, a mozzarella stick, always a burrata platter, um, a charcuterie board. Cheese is just, you can't go wrong with cheese. Um, a chocolate chip cookie would be my number two. Where's your favorite in New York? Ooh. Um, oh my gosh, probably City Bakery. So good. So good. They're, uh, they're, Maman is also amazing. Which one? Maman. Oh, I don't know if I've had that cookie. Oh, you got to go. Okay. I'm going to have to write that down and uh, add it to my <laughs> list. I am a cookie fanatic. It's really good. It's a coffee shop and they have some good baked goods, specifically their chocolate chip cookies. Mm, lovely. Okay. And wait, I get a third? Yes. Um, that's hard. Um, I'm a big like brunch. I'm a big brunch girl. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love an eggs Benny. I love avocado yeah. toast. Um, can I pick a beverage? Actually, of course, throw it in there. <laughs> wine, wine all day. My uh, my fiance has a wine company called One Hope Wine. Shameless plug. Oh, cool. So I get to drink lots of it, and that's uh, definitely a way to my heart. Uh, I miss it's so weird. I actually have an aversion to red wine during this pregnancy. Not that I'm like chugging red wine, but 
with winter time, it's usually what I love. And every time Joe pours a glass, I'm like, can I have a small sip? And every time I'm waiting to like maybe like it again, and I'm like, oh my God, I want to throw up. It's so disgusting, which I guess is better than me craving it all day long and not being able to have <laughs> what I want. But the idea of like a crisp glass of white wine is still something that Ooh. I just dream of right now. Yeah. Can't go wrong. And I had to just say with the Mott sticks, one of my favorite memes, I don't know if it's a meme or a tweet or whatever, but it's like, would you like six blocks of mozzarella cheese for dinner? Like, no, that's crazy. What if we batter them and deep fry them? Yes, please. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. So true. <laughs> it's so true. So, so um, well, thank you so much for being on here. Where is the best place for everyone to follow you? Yes. If anybody else needs laughs at this time, come check out Big Kid Problems on Instagram. It's just lots of jokes and tweets and memes and funny little things. Um, and then I also now have the podcast, which is like an extension. We talk more about like the wisdom of adulting and all that good stuff. And that's the Big Kid Problem podcast. And I have my blog, Big Kid Problems. Um, yeah. So I'm all over the place. Come hang out. Awesome. Everything will be in the show notes, guys. Make sure you head on over and follow. As always, thank you for listening. And thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thanks.
You guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. It really means the world to me. It means more to me than you could ever know. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please head over to wherever you consume your podcast and rate and or review the show. It not only helps the show's growth, but it really makes my day when I go through and read all of the reviews. If you aren't already, please follow along over on Instagram at Freckled Foodie for my way too active channel and at ff and friends pod for more information on the podcast i hope you have a wonderful day and i can't wait to give you the next episode